nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs such a great song. I think it's a shame we don't sing it all year. Uh, welcome to this service of the Word and Prayer this morning. Please be seated. Welcome to this service of uh, the Word and Prayer this morning here at St Matthew's. Uh, to those of you who, uh, who are here in person and also to those of you who are here online, welcome everyone. Uh, my name's Andrew Graham. For those of you who don't know me, uh, it's really good to have you here with us this morning. Well, our Advent series begins this morning, although we have had to defer uh, our, our traditional celebration of, of Advent uh, with the program of readings and hymns until next week. But we are kicking off the Advent series this morning. Uh, Scott, one of our other ministers, will be helping us understand the significance of John the Baptist in the preparation for the coming of Jesus. That's what Advent is about. It's about the coming of Jesus, looking back to his first coming humbly uh, to, the, to the stable and looking forward to his second coming uh, when he will come and bring all things together in compassion and love and justice. And don't we need compassion and love and justice? So many good things to be looking forward to this morning. As we continue through our service, we're going to enter a time of prayer Firstly, asking God for his help in our gathering today. Uh, and then secondly, thanking God for so many good things that he gives to us. So please join me in this prayer of preparation. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And together, gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life and health and safety, for power to work, leisure to rest, and for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. But above all, we praise you for our Saviour, Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your spirit, and for the hope of sharing in your glory. Fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're now going to read a psalm together, something that's been a big part of the Church of England services since the 16th century. Uh, in villages, the psalms were read each day at the daily service. And we're going to read together Psalm 19, which conti continues our theme of praise to God for all that he has given us, especially the way that he's spoken to us by his word. And as we consider the coming of Jesus as a child, that was in fulfilment of the promises that God had spoken. As we eagerly anticipate the return again of Jesus, the coming again of Jesus, that will come because God has promised it. So let's, uh, let's use the words of Psalm 19 to praise God for the way that he speaks. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, let me say uh, welcome again, especially to you if it's your first time with us, if you're a guest either here in person or online. It's great to have you here. We would love to know that you've been here and you could uh, uh, register through our online connect card on the, um, the QR code that you can see behind me. Uh, you could contact us at the office uh, through the week. The details are on our website. Or, of course, you could just come and say hello if you're here to me or to one of the welcomers. I'd love to meet you. Christmas is not far away. And Christmas stew is back to let us know what is happening. first weekend of December and that can only mean one thing. Christmas Stew here ready to tell you what's happening this Christmas at St Matthew's. Now if you were here last year you might remember that I don't have such a great track record when it comes to communicating correct information. Now if you want to join us for a live service in the building we're running four carol services on Christmas Eve. At as of just an hour ago Sydney's northern beaches has gone into official lockdown. Yeah, we're really praying this year that we don't have to change our plans all at the last minute. And to help me communicate a bit more clearly this time around, I've invited someone along and I'd love to introduce you to Christmas Stevie. Christmas Stevie is going to help us figure out what we're doing this Christmas at St Matt's. 
Now we are so looking forward to getting people back in the building this Christmas and we are looking forward to inviting you to come along to one of our different services on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Now on Christmas Eve we have five different carol services that will be running through the afternoon and into the evening. Now the earlier two are for you if you've got Christmas Stevie sized people in your house. We're having two family carols at 3pm and 4.30pm. There'll be carols that are suitable for kids to sing along with, chances for the kids to get involved, and a family-friendly Christmas message. Now, later into the evening, once the little Christmas Stevies uh, go to bed, uh, we've got evening carols for the older kids out there and the older people as well. At 7, 9, and 11 p.m., we have evening carols with more songs to sing together and a Christmas message as well. So that's Christmas Eve, and on Christmas Day, we have our traditional uh, Christmas service with communion as well at 8 a.m. and our contemporary service at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you at any of those services across the two days. We're really looking forward to having you there. Now, at all of our services, there will be a cap on the number of people will fit in the building, uh, but there will be seating for overflow if you miss out. So make sure you arrive early to get your seat. Now we'd love to have as many people as we can down at St. Matt's this Christmas, but if it's too far away for you or you just can't make it, there's something for you as well. All four types of our services, our family carols, our evening carols, our traditional service and our contemporary Christmas service will all be live streamed on our YouTube channel and then be available to re-watch later. Now, we're really looking forward to Christmas this year to see you and your families with whatever size Christmas Stevies you have now, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be back. Christmas Stevie will be back to let you know some more about what's coming up this Christmas. But until then, Merry Christmas from us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, um, so even if you didn't get all the details there, that was very cute, wasn't it? Lots of fun. Very good. Well, friends, we're moving now towards a time of prayer. As we, uh, as we pray, uh, we'll be giving thanks for the arrival of a little grand son, Louis, uh, to Mark and uh, Sally Mannion. We'll also be praying for the Edwards family. Uh, Ross is quite gravely ill uh, at the moment. He had a couple of strokes uh, last week. And so we're praying for, for Ross and Robin um, at this time as well. So let's be, come before our God who, who is there, who loves us and cares for us and who listens as we pray. Lord Jesus, in this season of Advent, we stand amazed that you once came among us, taking our form and frailties, being born as a little child. We praise you for your humility and your service to us. And we long for you to come again to bring all things together with love and justice. And this week with a new twist in the COVID pandemic, we pray for calm and stamina. Please help us accept accept circumstances that are out of our control as we trust you give us strength to face further changes and disappointment and com comfort those who once again are prevented from being with loved ones and lord we thank you for answered prayer we thank you for a massive answer to a significant request for support of our mission partners we praise you for the generosity of your people who've contributed over $110,000 for our mission partners so far. Lord, you are gracious and kind to us, so we thank you for blessing us 
in partnership with these godly people and we pray we'll be able to fully support them in this year to come. And Father, as we pray for our church community, we thank you for the safe arrival of little Louis Economou uh, to Sally and Mark's daughter Penny. We praise you for the arrival of this little fellow. We pray you'll keep him safe in these early days and that he'd grow to be a man who loves to serve you. And Lord, we want to lift up our brother Ross Edwards, who is gravely ill, and his, Robert, his wife Robin, who's caring for him. We pray that during this difficult time, you'd grant uh, medical staff and others who are offering care great wisdom. And we pray that you would give to Ross and to Robin a calm and a peace at this time and reassure them of your goodness. And Lord, we thank you for... Uh, young uh, people in our church who've finished exams recently for students just finishing uh, their, their final school exams. Uh, we pray for them as they make plans for the future. May they be people who do a power of good in this world as they serve you. May they love and honour you all the days of their lives. And Lord, we bring before you others in our church family who are struggling with ill health and injury who feel burdened with caring for a loved one. Father, you know who they are and the sadness they bear. Please comfort and uphold them as they endure each day. May they rest in your word, find peace in your presence and in the kindness of friends. And shall we join together now as Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. As the musicians come forward for our next song, please be upstanding and let's join them in singing.
Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And for those of us physically in church today, this can be found on page 1024 of the Pew Bibles. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Because I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone, uh, both in the building and online. Great to have you guys with us. Um, just a few quick things before we begin, if that's okay. Uh, number one, if you can keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, that will be important an important thing to do. Keep them open if you're watching online as well. 
I can see through that camera, by the way. Uh, secondly, um, we've prepared a series of Advent readings that will help you, I think, kind of lean in to the Christmas story this Christmas season. They look a little bit like that. Now, that's too hard to see from the back. That's okay. I'm going to put them up the back as soon as I'm done. Feel free to grab one of those on your way out. And that will chart the Christmas story up into Christmas Eve, if that will be of help to you. Uh, thirdly, from me, before we begin, really is just a, a big thank you to all of you who've contributed to our uh, our mission partner support appeal. Uh, you might remember Andrew prayed and gave thanks for that in the prayers. Um, just to let you know that as of the end of last week, we've raised 112000 out of our goal of 120000 so almost there. And if you'd like to give to make up the, the little balance that remains, um, you feel free to do that. But really what I want to say is thank you to you for your generosity and your support in um, making sure that our heroic mission partners are well-funded into next year. Well, I'm going to pray and then we'll get right underway. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of year, uh, for the hope and the wonder of the Christmas story, and help us to lean into that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can you remember being a, that feeling, I guess, of being a kid and barely being able to wait until Christmas morning when you'd finally be allowed to unwrap your Christmas presents that had been waiting under the Christmas tree there for weeks, perfectly prepared? Or when you race into your parents' room at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 4 a.m., like crazy banshees on Christmas morning to show them what Santa had left in your stocking during the night as if it was a surprise to them. Can you remember that feeling? Neither can I, actually. <laughs> it is, it's been so long since I've actually wanted something other than a flat stomach and my mortgage paid off. And uh, those can't go under a Christmas tree, can they? <laughs> In fact, on one side of our family, we've, we've um, totally given up on buying presents completely, other than for the children. Uh, we kind of think there's no point buying stuff people don't want with money you don't really have. And on the other side, it's basically got to the point where you, you buy your own present, you wrap your own present, you bring your own present, and you just give the receipt to the person that's meant to be buying for you. <laughs> Something's gone wrong there, hasn't it? So that sense of uh, expectation is long gone for me, at least with presents. But I still really look forward to Christmas. Uh, I look forward to Christmas food. <laughs> I look forward to waking up on Boxing Day, which for us is sort of our first chance to relax, and that's the case for lots of people. Uh, and I love watching the opening session of the Boxing Day test match and those lazy days between Christmas and New Year. Just wonderful. And so I suspect that most of us have some sense of anticipation around this time of the year. It may not be as intense as a kid watching presents slowly amass under the Christmas tree, but we still look forward, don't we? And that's what this season called Advent is all about. It's a looking forward. Our Archbishop Kanishka Raphael reminds us in the December issue of the Southern Cross magazine that the word Advent means arrival. It means coming. And so in this uh, three or four week period before Christmas, we prepare for Jesus' coming. Now, interestingly, it's not just his original coming in the form of a baby born in Bethlehem, but also his return, his second coming, if you like, when he will descend upon the earth at the end of time to judge the world with justice and truth. And so regardless of whether your anticipation at this time of year focuses on presents or sporting fixtures or just lazy summer days, during this Advent season, we, we just want to recenter that focus to fix our eyes upon Jesus. 
So in the lead up to Christmas, we have today a season called Advent. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we have a woman called Mary. This might change a little bit for you guys at 8 o'clock with our rejigged Advent service. Nathan will then share for us a man called Joseph before we finish on Christmas Eve with a child called Jesus. And we'll be singing Christmas carols right throughout the Advent period. And wasn't it terrific to start with Joy to the World, didn't you think? Great. Because they're too good to leave until just Christmas itself. So a child called Jesus, a man called Joseph, a woman called Mary, and today a season called Advent. And in one sense, could have called today a messenger called John, because I want to introduce the sense of anticipation that is part and parcel of this Advent season through the figure of John the Baptist. Now, I can't say that I'd necessarily picked up on this before, but the Gospel of Luke uh, builds the expectation of the arrival of a saviour by going into great detail about the arrival of John the Baptist. Of the four Gospels, you might know that only Matthew and Luke have birth narratives, that is, story of the birth of Jesus. And in Luke's Gospel, the story of the birth of John the Baptist runs almost kind of parallel with the story of the birth of Jesus. John arrives before Jesus, and that would be the pattern of their ministry, for some 30 years later as well. But the stories pretty much run in parallel so that you'd be forgiven for getting confused as to whose story you're reading there in Luke chapter 1. And it's not only that the stories share so many similarities, they share a similar weight. I, th I think there are 64 verses about Jesus' birth. Did you know there's uh, 50 verses about the birth of John the Baptist? with a further six that kind of depict an overlap of stories when Mary visits Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John. So similar stories and similar waiting. And I would suggest something of a shame that we typically give John the Baptist such little honour. Uh, actually, more than a shame, I would say, because John's story is Luke's way of building to a bigger story. John's birth points to another birth. And uh, if Advent is about anticipation if it's about getting ourselves prepared. The biographer, the evangelist known as Luke, who wrote more verses in the New Testament than anyone else, even more than the Apostle Paul, says, you have got to hear the story about the birth of John the Baptist. So let's dive in. The details are many, but in many ways are plain enough. Zechariah and Elizabeth are humble servants of God. They are upright, verse 6. They are childless and very old, verse 7 which was a source of great pain, that's the childlessness, and disgrace and concern for them with no one to carry on their name or look after them when they became frail. And yet God pursues them. And that is God's habit, isn't it, to pursue us. First by ensuring that the throw of the dice meant that Zechariah was in the very heart of the temple for one of the great honours of his life, certainly the greatest moment of a priest's life, because he would take the sacrifice of the people into the most holy place. <laughs> but there something ex even more extraordinary happens. He's visited by an angelic messenger. That is the rarest of events. For all we know, this could be the first time it had happened for three or four hundred years since the time of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament. And then the, the frightful angel carried extraordinary news. Verse 13, read it with me. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. Oh, but he's no ordinary boy. Not only will he be a delight to you, which makes sense, he will delight your people and indeed God himself. 
He'll never drink liquor. He'll be filled with a different kind of spirit, the Holy Spirit, from even before birth, which has never happened before. In fact, later on in verse 41, when Mary visits Elizabeth, even Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, with John pregnant in her belly. So can you see the way that Luke is slowly working us over? He's preparing us. He's building the expectation. He's saying, if all this will happen with John, my goodness, what should we make of Jesus, the one who follows John? And friends, we ought to start to just find ourselves leaning in slightly to catch the news of this baby. Now, I'm speaking of babies. I'm about to say something rather controversial, which you may not believe having just seen um, cute Stevie Jansen on the video. But here we go. Con- controversial thing. I think puppies are cuter than babies. It's out there. Said it now. Can't unwind it. Puppies are cuter than babies. Or to give it some nuance, I don't think there's such a thing as an ugly puppy. (laughs) But not every baby is as adorable as Stevie Jansen. You're laughing, but you know it's true, don't you? Now, here's a picture of one of my handsome babies. Uh, I'm not going to dress him up in hats and try and hold him in front of a tree. Clearly, he got his good looks and his locks from his mum. Uh, clearly, he got his kind of serial killer facial expressions from me. But you're not even interested in looking at him, are you? You're melting over the five little cavalier cross cocker spaniel pups that he's cradling, aren't you? That's what you're really looking at. There's no such thing as an ugly puppy. But even so, there's no comparison between a pup and a baby when it comes to their significance as one of, uh, as a creature on God's green earth. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, to have a puppy is kind of a hobby, isn't it? But to have a baby is really life-changing. To have a son like this John the Baptist, wow. Of course it's unbelievable to Zechariah. He asked the obvious question, how? You know, I'm old, my wife's old. And he's struck with dumbness until the baby is born because he didn't believe. You know, at the six-month mark of Elizabeth, his wife's pregnancy, the same angel, Gabriel, (laughs) a busy angel, he visits Mary and he says something very similar to her. You will bear a child, a boy. You are to call him the name Jesus. So you can see how these twin origin stories twist and turn in the same direction with John's just a little further ahead of Jesus. Both boys' parents are visited by angels. In both cases, the angels name the babies. In both cases, these boys would be extraordinary in the eyes of God and men. In both cases, a parent asks the obvious question, how? How can it be? John's parents, because they're too old. Jesus' mother, because she's too young. And in both cases, in Luke chapter 1, a parent sings a song that is rich and deep in meaning about the nature of this child to be born, those twin twists and turns. Build an expectation. If all of this is true of John who proceeds, what will be of the one who follows? In fact, when John is born, uh, a still mute Zechariah insists they must call this baby boy John, breaking all social and family traditions, and have a look at verse six. I'd love you to, 66. I'd love you to read this with me. Verse 66. 
Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. As it turns out, uh, these songs that Mary and Zechariah sing are very helpful diagnostic instruments. Uh, we might hear Deb tell us about Mary's song in a couple of weeks' time, but we should turn our ear to listen to Zechariah's song to discover what this child is going to be. In fact, Zechariah's song points to another son. Well, we already know what Gabriel has said to Zechariah, who having been struck dumb, probably didn't get a chance to tell anyone else, but let's read it together in verse 16. He will bring back, this is John, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that will be John's role. He will go before the Lord and bring people back to God, back and before. He will have that unusual kind of existence and ministry that's not uncommon, though, for God's messengers like Elijah. And he will have a remarkable ministry turning parents to their children, the foolishly disobedient to the wise, the people back to God, specifically by preparing them for the coming of the Lord. Well, Gabriel's words, they're fleshed out by Zechariah's song in verses 67 to 79. So I want you to pick it up with me from verse 67. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Let's drop down to verse 74. To rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That's what God is doing through the coming of this child growing in Mary's belly. He's talking there in verses 67 to 75 about the ministry of Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth already know that Jesus will be greater than their son John. Do you know that is why Christmas is such a special time for Christian people? Because it is a time when we reflect on the greatest the coming of God to earth in the form of a man who was born a baby, who redeems us, who saves us, who rescues us from our timeless enemies of sin, death and the devil, and who enables us to serve him without fear and with righteousness all the days of our lives. It makes me think, why is it I am so preoccupied with what I've got to buy for Secret Santa? Why is it I'm more interested and who will be the Australian wicketkeeper? Or who comes in at number five in the batting order? God has involved himself in the biggest matters of human life, personally, in the form of a human to rescue and redeem and enable us to serve him without fear. It's wonderful. It is magnificent. It is breathtaking. I mean, this is the news, isn't it? But it does help to be prepared, doesn't it? We need preparation. 
And so Zechariah sings about his own boy in verses 76 to 79. Why don't you read that along with me as well? What an excitable father to be, hey? And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What an honour to be the father of someone like that, especially in your old age, against all odds, a prophet of the Most High. You know, John the Baptist was a prophet. Really, he was the last and greatest of the Old Testament prophets. He had an Elijah-like um, power and an Elijah-like existence, living in the wilderness like Elijah, it says in verse 80, until he appeared publicly to Israel. And when he burst onto the scene, man, he created quite a scene. He prepared the people of Israel by baptizing them into the Jordan River for their forgiveness of sins. You might remember, we actually read... Uh, about John's ministry last week in our reading from Acts 19. It said this, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, that is a turning around, a turning back. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, preparing the path by preparing their hearts for the coming of Jesus, the rising sun from heaven who shines on those living in darkness. Well, that's all of us, isn't it? and to guide our feet into the path of peace because of the tender mercy of God. Friends, I don't know where each of you stands in relationship with God this very morning. Can I say, if you don't know His salvation, if you've not received forgiveness of sins, there is no better way to prepare for Christmas than to receive it. And I would say receive it today. You know, God has a tender mercy and he wants you to experience rescue and redemption and salvation so that you are enabled to serve him without fear and in righteousness all your days. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this Christmas season you didn't just get a present or some time off, didn't just get fatter, but you got forgiveness and salvation and right standing with God and a restored relationship with his beautiful son who first came at Christmas time and who will come again to take you into his everlasting arms. I mean, it really does make a new shirt or a new dress look pretty budget by comparison, doesn't it? And if you'd like to follow that up, that'd be worthwhile having a conversation today, perhaps with a Christian friend, one of us ministers. Well, the story of Christmas is a story introduced by the birth of John the Baptist via interruptions from angels to very unlikely recipients? How do we use these few short weeks of Advent to immerse ourselves in the true hope and wonder of the Christmas story? Do you know, I reckon it's a little bit like watching your favourite movie again. Not just any movie again, where you might be somewhat detached and disinterested with the details because you've seen it before i'm talking about your most favorite movie of all time you know um where you know what's going to happen exactly 
and when and precisely for that reason you look for the details you're attentive to even split second timing because those details are what makes it your favorite and because those split seconds hold tiny precious moments of joy for you it's like watching that favorite movie of all time frederick uh, buchner writes of it this way it is advent like he's saying right now it is advent the time just before the adventure begins when everyone is leaning forward to hear what will happen even though they already know what will happen and what will not happen when they listen hard for meaning and begin to hear only faintly at first the beating of unseen angelic wings don't you love that so here's a couple of ideas of what you can do to lean forward to listen hard for meaning this month drink a little less read a little more uh, you can read these advent readings that we've prepared make sure you grab yours today if you'd like that you can download it off the um off our website Drink a little less, read a little more, eat a little less, sing a little more. You know, why couldn't you sing Christmas carols in your private devotions? I mean, even just mouth them, you know, if it's embarrassing for you to sing them out loud in your house. They, they're such great words. You don't want to leave them till just Christmas Eve before you sing them. And they make terrific Advent prayers. We often complain this is a season where we, we eat and drink too much. So don't. <laughs> Drink a little less, read a little more. Eat a little less. Sing prayers a little more. You've got young grandkids that might come to stay with you. Why don't you read and sing together? Wouldn't that be joyful? Maybe you've got older grandkids that might come and stay with you. Why don't you read and, and pray with them together if they'll let you. It's, a, it's the time just before the adventure begins. Brothers and sisters, lean forward to hear what will happen next, even though you already know what will happen. But I mentioned um, earlier that traditionally the Advent season was a time when we looked forward and prepared ourselves not only for Jesus' first coming, but also for his reappearing, his second coming. And so that's something that we ought to keep in the mix, isn't it? And it's a matter that's likely going to spill out into the new year, into 2022. We not only prepare ourselves for Christmas, buying presents, cooking food, organising gatherings. We prepare for New Year celebrations, summer holidays by getting our bags packed, spray tans or whatever you guys do. Uh, and we prepare for the new year by, I don't know, buying new uniforms, covering textbooks. I'm sure you can remember doing that in your household. And so also into the new and next year, we prepare ourselves for the coming, for the reappearing of Christ. And partly, friends, we will do that by listening well. Uh, even though we think we know the story, by listening well. Uh, I mean, coming to church and being part of a, a smaller group, that's the way that God interrupts our weekly preoccupation with all good earthly things, not to mention some bad earthly things as well. So as our groups finish for the year, I want to say, why don't you make it a, a resolution, an early resolution to give yourself to one of them next year. It's solid work, isn't it? Preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Solid work that requires focus. And we are preparing ourselves and each other for the return of Jesus. 
Likewise, I think give yourself to not just turning up to church when you can, but coming with attentive ears, coming with wills that are ready to bend and be reshaped rather than thinking you know it all, wills that are ready to bend and be reshaped in response to the encouragement of brothers and sisters and the authority of the Word of God as it's sung and read and taught. It seems to me that many of us will prepare for Jesus' return by mimicking John the Baptist in some small way, by telling others of the one who has come and who will come again, whether that's in some ways being leading growth groups, involved in ESL ministries, uh, maybe even involved in some kids' ministries in one form or another, mini-mats, whatever it might be. Maybe even doing it with your own grandchildren. There's all sorts of Christian ministry that's going to happen in 2022. It might even be just having a natter with your neighbour over the back fence or in the apartment next to yours. Friends, as we finish, could you be a person prepared by John, among many others, for the coming of Jesus, not only as a baby in Bethlehem as a matter of history, but as a king returning from heaven and bringing eternity of all the things to do this Advent, of all the preparations you make for a new and hopefully less interrupted year ahead. Could you be someone prepared by John? Remember John, the one who said, it is, oh, it's this one here. This one called Jesus, he is the one you need to see. Pay attention to him. And having seen Jesus again and again and again, could you mimic John's ministry, perhaps just in a small way, by doing the same for others? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father God, we look with great fondness upon your coming to earth. God the Son, the Lord Jesus in the form of a baby who grew up to be a man. It's a wonderful time. It brings us such joy and such hope. So we give you thanks. And we want to be people who use these next few weeks to lean into that story, to listen to what happens next, though we, we know what happens next already, and to delight in it for all that it means for us. The rising sun has come from heaven to shine upon people living in darkness and guide our feet into the paths of peace. And yet, Lord, we also want to use this time to prepare ourselves for his return as a king from heaven, bringing eternity. And we ask that you might energize us to be involved in some way, preparing ourselves and one another for his return. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
It's been uh, so refreshing to come together as God's people this morning at the beginning of our celebration of Advent as we commit ourselves to leaning into the preparation for the coming of the Chosen One, the Anointed Messiah, the Lord Jesus. So we look back to his first coming and we're keenly anticipating his coming again. Uh, straight after the service, we're serving morning tea out in the function room. We were away last week, so we missed the, the kick-off of that again. I hear it was really just good to get together. Uh, so please, if you've never been before, just follow others out through this door across the courtyard into the function room. Uh, we'd love to uh, see you there. As we prepare for the rest of the week, I'll ask you to stand and uh, I'll give you this word of encouragement from the book of Romans. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.